0: Hi, I'm Kate, and I'm Mandy, and this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. We are absolutely delighted, a little bit hysterically um, overexcited, um, <laughs> to welcome Anne Dowsett Johnston, who is the best-selling author of Drink and a psychotherapist. And yeah, we were just saying beforehand this was um, a very seminal book for me and the TED Talk as well. So if you haven't read them or seen the TED talk, then I really, really kind of recommend you check them out. Um, so we're really excited to talk to Anne today about a little bit about her sober journey and her book and um and, and what she's up to now. So hi Anne, how are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you. Ah uh, and you are tell us a little bit about where you are, what time of day it is, what's the weather like. Um, yes, I'm Canadian,
1: but I'm in California because I'm a psychotherapist and I can work from anywhere and my son is a psychotherapist in Los Angeles so I decided to be close to him and it's beautiful out. It's beautiful and um, in the morning and stunning. Oh.
2: Mm. And um, how are you Kate? I'm all right. I've I've, I've had enough of kind of being on zoom with you today man I have to say (laughs) (laughs) we were talking to Emma we were like we've been on zoom all day but no I'm really I'm no I'm good you know I'm actually good like I've got my new new jumper jumper on on, so I've had my you know we've been talking about sober treats today and Mm. I very I, I really have taken sober treats on board in a massive way as everyone knows over the last few years and it's not waning no (laughs) it isn't waning (laughs) it works for you (laughs) it really does and so you know and you this this is really I mean this is just making me really happy this combination of red and pink and you know isn't that amazing because who knew who knew that those kind of things would light us up
0: I do think I mean I went down a bit of a colour therapy thing um Mm. At the weekend because I tried out this um, sort of personal shopper online thing so they send you like an outfit through the post because <laughs> um, I don't get out there's been lockdown for so long and you know, I live in a small town it's not exactly fashion central so I was just like maybe it'd be fun you know like so I got this box through and most of it didn't fit but there was this one mustard yellow cardigan um, and I so I tried it on and like mustard yellow is one of those colours I look at in the shop and I go, not, it's not for me though, is it? Um, and I tried it on and my husband was like, yeah, I like it. My son too was like, yeah. And I was like, ray of sunshine. Like it cheered me up so much wearing a yellow jumper. So yeah, I do think that that can have a power in, in mm. how you feel, right? It's like how yeah. you your aesthetic and, and how that feeds back to you. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, good. I'm glad. To, and how are you? <laughs> Me? Um, I am. Um, I'm all right. Yeah, it's pretty sunny here in France. Um, yeah, not much to report, really. And I, whenever we do these things, I have to
2: say that it is the, you know, I am overawed by the gods of tech because... <laughs> you know Anne's in California you're in France I'm in the UK and it's just it is a bit of magic isn't it thank God yeah thank God for saying so I mustn't I mustn't mustn't have a a moan about because imagine if it wasn't there (laughs) for what you wish for (laughs) so yeah we're super excited to speak to you Anne and we have tried about three times haven't we I think we we were just you know we're hoping that it all goes all right and we're not gonna drop out in the middle
0: yeah fingers Um, crossed
2: so now that I've blessed the gods of tech I'm sure we'll be fine
0: (laughs) 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 so we always start the interview with a little bit about your own drinking story if that's okay and 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 how you came to the decision to stop um yeah so if we could start there
1: sure I was a high functioning um journalist and very, and a mother, and a very um, award-winning journalist. Everything was going well in my life. And uh, then I hit a major depression. Um, And the depression was uh, because I'm the daughter of a beautiful woman who was... um, an alcoholic who mixed um, benzos and daytime cocktails, I decided I wouldn't take any antidepressants and this depression wouldn't budge. And I began to mm-hmm. medicate with alcohol and that self-medication um, increased the harder I worked and work is my first drug. And I was went from journalism to being vice-principal of McGill University, a wonderful university in Canada. And I worked around the clock and my drinking was out of control. And I was confronted by my best friend and my son and my partner of the time about my drinking. And I had always promised that if anyone complained about my drinking, I would stop. So I took myself to rehab. Now, what I'm glossing over is many blackouts Many stumbles, many, um, but I was never, I was a high bottom, high, high performance alcoholic. And that's a very loaded term um, and one I don't like using anymore. But I see I've just stumbled into it twice already. Um, so I went to rehab, that was 13 years ago, came out of rehab and couldn't stay sober. Um, and really stumbled a lot afterwards for about the first six months finally got down on my knees. I was going to take my life. I was at my wit's end. And when I stopped medicating with alcohol, I became very depressed. So my early sobriety was not easy. It was not cheerful. Um, And it took me a while to grow into myself, which... thankfully happened but it was it was difficult
0: I find that yeah hugely sort of I I remember reading the book and and having that kind of there was lots of moments for me where I was like oh this this is me you know and 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 part of that was um, the mental health aspect and and I hadn't heard anyone talking about that you know and I I, so many women self-medicate depression with alcohol um and and also this kind of um question around medication and trying not to take medication like you know I I mean what happened with me was that I stopped drinking for a year and my and you know and my depression got a lot better you know and so then it was like okay I don't need to take antidepressants anymore because I'm better um You know, and then slowly but surely, I would be like, you know, the wine witch in my head would be like, it's okay, you can have a glass of wine, you're normal now. And there was this whole concept around normality, me not being depressed equals I can now drink alcohol and took so much to kind of deconstruct that. Um, Yeah, and and also I'm interested because you struggled with the terminology there for a moment. Um, I did. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Why that?
1: Yeah, I had an early, my early years of um, of sobriety were very informed by be, my membership in AA. And when my book came out, um, all of a sudden I belonged to the largest group in, or I did in Toronto, Canada. And there were people who wouldn't speak to me. They were so angry that drink had appeared. And I gradually um, drifted from aA and moved on elsewhere. And I became very uncomfortable with going into meetings and saying, "Hello, my name is Ann. I'm an alcoholic." I started saying, "I'm on a path to recovery." And that was frowned upon. Certainly, my book was seen as a great betrayal. Um, and i I had so much difficulty with it. so i've I've moved on, and I find. I don't define myself as an alcoholic and I don't like to define my mother as one, nor my father who died of Korsakoff. So even though it runs in our family like a river, it is, um, I see it as an affliction. I call it my affliction. And I'm a lot more comfortable with that word.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, only important, important, isn't yeah. it? No, I was just going to say that I know that both of us um it was very important to find our language around it. I just could. I just it had to feel authentic, and I, I got a lot of flack on sober forums when I first started out about eight years ago for both of us. And um, and it was so. It, it was. It's very. Um, it, it it's very potent for people, isn't it? That the language and it because for me, I couldn't define the fact that I was somewhere with this kind of grey area like you know some it was very mental health based with me and it was like sometimes I could control it sometimes I couldn't it was like Russian roulette there was no real um and on paper I wasn't drinking that much more than a lot of people around me but the relationship was so dark and so twisty and so painful so it took me a while to to work that but I had to use something that felt authentic because I was like if this doesn't feel real if this doesn't feel authentic it's not going to stick I've been shoehorning my way into everywhere using alcohol. I can't shoehorn my way into sobriety using shit that doesn't work with me. So it was, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Mm.
0: Yeah. And I think it's like, I guess the reason why it popped out is because there is, yeah, it's important that it feels authentic to you, you know, and there's people that, 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 that label or that word it, it, it's powerful and it's empowering and it and it works for their story and but there needs to be the ability to you know call and name whatever it works for you and whatever helps you really to kind of you know I mean we even struggled with recovery for a while didn't we I mean, we're kind of it. We kind of yeah, we've worked it. <laughs> we worked it out now. <laughs> I like, then. I'm not
2: in a bed hooked up to, and it was like, oh, okay, I get okay. it. I, it's, now it's, it's about a journey. recovering my balance and yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think it's and mm. what's so great, I, I guess you've seen as well over over the years is the the depths and the nuances of conversations mm. have changed so much that that we can kind of. You know, it's a spectrum of addiction. It's a spectrum of use. It's it's many different combination of things involved, um, and whatever works. I mean, I know we both, Kate and I, as she recovers, coaches, and I know that you've worked with Dawn. And you know, it's that sort of the pathways and patchwork of recovery. I love that because it's just like what well, whatever gets you there. You know, it's that's let's, right. Let's support that. So what? Um, I'm interested in what happened next so you know the first kind of period was very difficult so what were the things that that helped you to build a life that you loved in sobriety mm-hmm. and in recovery
1: so it was very difficult, having read the book, you'll know this, that when I was 18 months sober, my love of 14 years dumped me on the phone, never saw him again, man I was engaged to be married to, and within six months, my son moved to the United States and my father died, so the three men in my life disappeared. Um, the day after I got the phone call of the the relationship breaking up, I won a $100,000 fellowship to write about women and alcohol. And I began to redefine my um, life um, around a year-long look at women and alcohol and the closing gender gap on risky drinking – which ended up being a 14-part series in Canada's largest newspaper, which ultimately became the foundation of Drink. So my life took a very big turn from being a journalist and being a vice principal of McGill to shaping a book and having a life around that book. And that was, and then I did the TED Talk, which has more than a million views. And it was a way of processing what I felt about um, what had happened to women and very much I was a, I guess a a very shaped by uh, working in the 80s and the 90s and bumping up against the glass ceiling and feeling that women's voices weren't being heard. And this real curiosity about why we were using alcohol to numb and um, decompress after long, 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 yeah. long days at the office. Long nights doing a second and third
2: shift. Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean that sort of that patriarchal piece. I I'm um, ex newspaper myself. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. And it was fantastic. so um yeah. And I remember when I my early days. So that's in the nineties. I was on news, newspapers and naughties, and but. Um, when we I won't mention the name of the national newspaper but you turn left to go and get your bacon sandwich and the bars open there and there's people Ah. drinking as we go into the office you know so the Brit journo culture was and then you don't work on a Friday afternoon because you've already hit the bar you know it's it's seat and alcohol it's it's not so much now um but 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 that that period was yeah I mean it just didn't occur to anyone not to right be drinking and if you were right. doing an evening shift, you'd be drinking. You'd have gone to the pub and gone back to the office. Wow.
1: And and we live in an alcogenic culture, which is so powerful. And the mm. message is, is, if you're going to celebrate, it must include alcohol. Relax, yeah. reward includes alcohol. But most of all, numbing. I think that the whole decompression piece mm. is really important for women.
0: Yeah, I do. and I, And I think you know when you when we start to sort of look about questions of shame or questions of perfectionism or self-worth and kind of you know this this drive of women to do everything perfectly it's like well we we have to regulate our nervous system somehow mm-hmm. like we have to be able to come down from that heightened you know, energy level, and it's so it's like, well, what what are we missing here? Like, we're missing support. We're missing, you know, time for ourselves, and we're missing kind of, yeah, the kind of financial access to whatever we need in order for our families to function in a in a healthy way, not just you know, quietness down with with a glass of wine. Um, and I found that really interesting. your book and interesting that 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 became part of your kind of mission as it were the purpose because we were talking right at the beginning you know that that was something that i had to find in my sobriety was that kind of fire in the belly that activism just to be like hang on a second like this is something's going on here i mean we had i think you've done a, a presentation with Mavendi. um And we had her, we had Christina on last week and, you know, such a fabulous conversation. And again, it was like, wow, this young woman who's looking at the impact of alcohol on a global scale was just incredibly inspiring, wasn't it? Um, Mm, Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's interesting how we, how it was, we were encouraged to match the bloke's pint for pint Mm. in the UK And and it's lovely. And and, you know, we drank as feminists, right? We drank as to be to feel empowered. And now it's when we can fix that piece to our sobriety. It can be such an anchor, and like we say, like firing, you know, good motivator. Mm. Right. It was,
1: you know, it's so different now because it's accepted and it's a story and the whole wine mom thing is accepted. When I was writing and reporting my book back in 2012, the notion was I had made this up, that it couldn't be true. Um, And it wasn't, how could it be that the alcohol industry had targeted women, which of course they did when they realized a whole gender was underperforming, but um, unlike, say, when Holly Whitaker's book came out a year ago, when it's, it was an accepted thing, I would say that, you know, I had to do some pioneering work where people didn't believe me.
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and again, like Kate and I, we've been you know, within Sober Forums for eight years, you know, and and seeing the change. And it was, I yeah. mean, we were just writing, we're writing our next book proposal at the moment. And we were talking about that there was this kind of, you know, secret sort of revolution, quiet revolution going on, you know, your book, sort of Soberista's, you know, Mrs. D in 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 New Zealand. There were you know Dawn Nichols. There was these certain pioneering people, sort of this and the you know B, the booze free brigade behind closed doors, going, "This is what's going on. This is yes. our experience." And at that time, you know, you mm-hmm. found them through Facebook, little sort of links through yes. secret uh, you know links and just those. So yeah, I mean. It's, yeah. it's changed so much, but thank goodness that you you did because it certainly, yeah, helped yeah. us to get to where Paved the conversation the is now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of your kind of personal growth and um, what's been the biggest shift you've seen in your life since you've been alcohol free?
1: Well, the biggest shift has been an ability to make my dreams come true I, you know, I've often said that when I wrote Drink, I was the most Anne that I've ever been. I got to mix my writing, which is my passion, um, with a cause, something I really deeply cared about, about women. Um, And then in my early 60s, I went back to school, to Smith College to become a psychotherapist, which allows me now to work individually with women, women who are struggling with their own afflictions, whatever they may be. And um, I've launched a fabulous um, writing community called Writing Your Recovery. So many Mm. people have a story to tell. And as Dawn would say, we're all in recovery from something. So it's not just for women with my history, but women recovering from nasty divorces or heartbreak or of a different kind or difficult childhoods um lots about mothers and daughters it's mm. a really really powerful um course and powerful community of storytelling which mm. is my natural habitat
2: mm. Mm, i love that and um, we were talking before weren't we i mean if, how mandy and i met back it's just sorry I'm just thinking off the top of my head now but I posted a blog um it was first time I posted a blog that wasn't behind the closed doors of Sobristus it's about 2015 was it 2016 Uh something like that so I'd come out and I'd put it out into public and I was terrified and it was called the narrative of sobriety and it was about this idea of how us we all have our stories and you know and i had been to see a poet and you know an activist in, in near, nearby where where we live um and Mandy found the blog and she was thinking about doing podcasts there wasn't a UK sober podcast at the time and we'd never met and she got in touch <laughs> and said do you fancy doing a podcast and I went yeah all right then i would never listened to one <laughs> isn't that great what a good story <laughs> then we found out we'd been living on the next road to each other in Brighton about five years previously on the next road yeah. oh my we practically been next to neighbours we had no idea oh that's, so that's fantastic that. yeah, yeah so we were destined to meet but that idea about I feel so passionately as well that everyone has their story. And, and, you know, that whole thing, history. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, you know, her story. We, we need to be able to hear voices. We need to be able to hear different, um, the patchwork because then we can go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I hear myself somewhere. Sorry. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I, and I, I watched the, um, I think it was the talk you gave for She Recovers around when you did the writing workshop And I was, yeah, I was super inspired. We were saying we really want to do, we really want to do your course, don't we?
1: Mm,
2: Um, Please do. Yeah. Although
1: it sounds like you'll be too busy writing your next book.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll squeeze it in somehow. Yeah. I think that's another thing that I just love is like we, I think when we're drinking and we're stuck in those kind of negative cycles, like we feel so stuck. It's like, this is it. Like, this is my life. And when you start to get sober or you start being sober curious and then you're like, but what will my, the rest of my life look like and who will I be and how, what can I do? And then you hear someone that's retrained to be a psychotherapist at the age of 60. It's like, OK, then like life's not over. You know, like that's super inspiring.
2: And mm, it's really inspiring. I I think that's one thing that sobriety gives us. Well, for me, it was hope. It was literally the birth of hope. I didn't realize at the time.
1: Mm. Yes. And I think we Mm. use so much of our bandwidth worrying about, for me, and I think for many women, getting up in the morning saying, I won't do this again, and then five o'clock doing Mm. it again. And that is so much wasted energy. So to go back to school and to be able to, I'm pitching a new book this afternoon with my publisher and just to be able to um, flourish, you Mm -hmm. know, in a way that is not possible when you're drinking. Um, I had so many drinking diaries, drinking diaries saying, I will do it differently tonight. I will only have one or two and then breaking the promise to myself. So I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a revolution. Of those of us who know what it's like on the other side to mm. shape our lives this way. And there is a sober revolution. It's being led by women, you know, mm, for the is. most part, which is incredible.
2: Mm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I was just gonna say that. Um, you know, there's there's also quite a lot, you know, a glimmering away of for me, about the sort of midlife and and beyond, and there's something really powerful about that period. You know, there's something definite about the female experience, the mummy wine culture. But then there's this, okay, um, as we're rising into power in a different way. In those years when we were, you know, the kids have, you know, left left home. Um, hopefully, we still. Ha- I mean, health is going to be a massive currency, right? right we and we're gonna but there, there's so much power potentially in that and that's the age at which we're told that we're you know well we don't look like claudia Schiffer or anyone not that i have did but we don't you know it is everything that we're judged on is is in the is waning but actually it can be you know like you were saying that that potential to retrain mm. to to really make the most to have that i think that something about the oestrogen dying down as well helps me yes. focus apparently I've heard that I don't know if that's true
1: I don't know if that's true but I do think that the um you know let's call it for what it is you're a crone you have a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. and to be able to use your years of experience and and mm-hmm. that um and that wise self is really powerful and psychotherapy mm-hmm. and writing are both perfect outlets so I'm, I'm having so much fun, I barely sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it, I love it, I love it. Yeah. And, and what's, what's interesting, because we, we're having lots of discussions about social media at the moment and how, you know, when I f- came back to sobriety... You know, I used Instagram a lot and that was a way that I blogged and that was a way I made friends and things like that. And then, you know, the algorithms, the business has taken over and it doesn't feel like a space which has meaning to me anymore. Um, And what I love is that we then recreate and we're building something else. It's like let's have writing groups, let's have intimate spaces, let's have circles, you know, and it's like we keep recreating things. It's like that doesn't work for us anymore to connect and build because it's been taken over by corporations yet again you know so what else can we do and and the idea of writing together Mm -hmm. you know I, I just yeah it must be incredibly powerful You know, I had a a wonderful email
1: um, this morning from a woman in the writing group who used to own a little store and she sold my book. And she said, I would sell the book, and a woman would come in the next week and say, It's like a lantern, it it leads the way for me. And she said, What you've created with a with the writing groups is a bonfire and it is like a bonfire with everyone sitting around and warming themselves with the, you know, each other's stories. And I'm going to start a newsletter, um, in the next month, you printing these stories and circulating them. Cause they're beautiful. They're
0: extraordinary. Amazing. Oh, amazing. So, yeah. So I guess, um, if people haven't read the book, we've talked a little bit about the themes, um, what, what, are the, what are the key themes that, that people can expect and, and um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about I think one of the saddest things is that women are fundamentally
1: not happier than they were in the 1970s. That that research underpins um, the book. And as does a walk I took in, in the London district of Chelsea one night, and it was about six o'clock in the evening and people hadn't drawn their curtains and I could see woman after woman at um, kitchen counters pouring a glass of wine and I had a real wake up call and I thought, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Um, Something's happening here. And that's when I called it the modern woman's steroid, enabling her to do the heavy lifting in a complex world, because we are in the middle of a revolution, a 50 year old revolution or 60 year old revolution, but it's a revolution anyway. And we just haven't got it right we haven't got it right. Um, you know, it's, it's the truth that you give a, a man, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but a job, please pick up Johnny after school. And up in his head is, I will pick up Johnny after school. And up in the woman's head is, this is a New Yorker cartoon, um, a list of 50 items to be ticked off. And I just think women are, exhausted and dispirited and the alcohol industry knows that and it was an experiment in the 1990s that paid off. They said, Yeah, can we target women and we'll invent the Alka pop? And young women fell for them and all the the girly drinks and the mummy drinks have sold well. So it's a blockbuster industry mm. move. And so that's really what my book is about that closing gender gap that that is uh, commonplace now that we're so aware of
0: yeah I mean so I guess the, the next question is is what can we do on and and how can we support other women um, to yeah join the revolution I suppose um, what right you know every
1: client of mine every person I have ever spoken to including myself says but what about the champagne at my wedding it is it is the line and you say but I didn't know you were involved with anybody I'm not but I want to be able to drink at my wedding I have a 24 year old client that said that last week um And the whole notion is your life will be over if you give up alcohol. And I think we're making inroads on that notion that it isn't true, Uh, but we need to be vocal and we need to be Mm -hmm. as you're being vocal, as I'm being vocal. And we need to um, not sound like prohibitionists. I think Mm -hmm. it's really tough if you come off as a prohibitionist. Um, And I think, you know, we could have a long dialogue about who falls into that camp and who doesn't, but I don't think you win any friends um, or or followers that way. Hmm. Um, but I think awareness is key, and I think it is the number one daybreak drug, and we need to just call a spade a spade there.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And
1: it's complex,
0: hmm. very complex,
1: our relationship with alcohol.
2: Yeah, I mean, our um, our book is is aimed at mums, sort of care, mums and carers about, you know, about what, what you were sort of saying before about, you know, stress management, saying this, this what do we need? Let's ask better questions about what we need
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: and learn how to advocate for those. So it is mm-hmm. that sort of, you know, self-care, self-leadership, self-empowerment. Piece that that respects the pivotal position, like you say, the heavy lifting, Mm -hmm. and then we—it's almost like we're busy doing that. But we got—we know a a woman, a young woman called uh, Millie Millie Gooch, who is sober girl society. Yes, all pink, all about the glitter, all about the fabulous. I mean, she she's a heavy lifter, but yeah, that sort of it is like you know, our children don't listen to what we say. They copy what we do sort of thing so you you know you live uh you show up at a party and have a great time and don't drink and chat to people and people are like oh okay what's she got What's, what's her secret then and that goes a long way doesn't it more than a rant on a soapbox you know
1: yeah so
2: much farther yeah. Having yeah. said that, I've, we went to rant on our
0: soapbox <laughs> 24-7, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I know, I was as like. As I say, not mm. as I do. But, but, it's really, but it's really good to underline that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because once you've, it's like the great unearthing and, you know, you open that Pandora's box and it's like you can't unsee what you've seen, you know, and then you're going into, you know, to buy a a present and all the cards are about you know gin and wine and and you're like oh gosh and then you're like watching tv and it's christmas and every other advert is you know we can't celebrate christmas without alcohol you know and it's and so you're like oh my gosh and it's hard to it's hard to be a sober person in an alcohol filled world yeah without isolating yourself like it's very yes (laughs) it's very difficult to not get on your soapbox um but but it's really important I think to give that message because it doesn't it's it's like shaming people right it just doesn't it doesn't have any impact when you're yeah when you're led when you're leading with fear and shame so yeah you're quite right and so how do you Look after yourself. We talk a lot about self-care on the podcast. So, what are your self-care practices and well-being practices?
1: Such a good question. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the poster girl. If I'm the poster girl of the, I'm not the poster girl and that. Um, I developed a habit um, when I was writing Drink of getting up at three in the morning, and I have not quit it. So mm-hmm. I. I live, my ex-husband jokes that I live on London time, uh, which I probably do. Um, I work very hard. I work multiple, I wear multiple hats and I love it. Um, it is my drug of choice. Um, I I work out. I love the outdoors. I hike with my son. I have my pleasures, but um, right now ha- having gone back to school I'm in this wonderful growth period where taking on a new book having the writing group psychotherapy practice uh, I just am joyful
2: I <laughs> love it and it is, it's interesting isn't it that um, being able to live intentionally and own your choices you know it's that if you like getting up at three well hell to the air to that you know I mean? so like, yeah, you can thank do that who's to say who say you can't yeah
1: <laughs> it's delicious oh, less. yeah it's delicious I pour my coffee and I'm in heaven yeah. I, get my, I get my day timer out and I'm planning in ahead of everybody else and it's quiet and I can write mm. the other thing I do which is going to sound really corny and one other person in our community said it made her want to vomit in her mouth so as i do write a gratitude list every morning and that gratitude list has to be different every day Mm -hmm. and um i'm also grateful for the tough stuff and i send it to my number one sober friend Mm-hmm. And she sends it back to me, hers back to me, and we've done it for twelve years. And it. it's powerful. I think we've missed two days total in those twelve years. And I do believe in the in the chemistry
2: of mm. being grateful. Yeah, and it's true. It's uh, we, were, we were doing something recently, weren't we? That was looking at it was transcendental emotions. So was it gratitude or compassion maybe those things that make us feel can they're not just feelings for us they make us feel connected with other people and greater humanity yes and how important those practices are you know mm. uh, to to yeah to i mean the science is there isn't it it's like that boosts your brain mm. yes endorphins lowers inflammation connects us you know
1: it's, yes it's um, true Mm -hmm. I'm also a somatic therapist and I practice something called focusing, which is a wonderful practice of um, embodied practice of, of being in the body and um, is, is very healthy and something that's actually very popular in England and around the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, in terms of self-care, I've been practicing focusing for 30 years. So that's um that's a treat but mostly writing
0: I'm mostly Mm. in my bed writing middle of the night I I love it but I was kind of like you know Sort of thinking because I haven't been sleeping very well, and I did think to myself the other night. I was like, maybe I should just get up and and start writing. And then I was like, oh no, you can't. (laughs) Don't Don't, start that. (laughs) Don't don't begin. (laughs) Yeah. Don't begin. Very unhealthy. Yeah, but you know, but I think (laughs) there's it's like reclaiming your. I mean, we're talking a lot about sort of female cycles at the moment, and you know, investigating, yeah, the menstrual cycle and respecting the ebb and you know to boss the flow and all those things and it is it's kind of like reclaiming your own linear you know way cool thank you yeah
1: yeah no it is absolutely it's also owning quiet it's owning the quiet in my life um because my day is very busy and it's a way of carving out some time so it's it's precious to me it's really
0: sacred I think we all just go like that's like, you know, it's <sighs> quiet. It's quiet. Oh, it's quiet. So true.
1: oh, oh yeah. It's true. I have it's these, true. um true.
0: I have these headphones which are noise reducing headphones. Yes. And so when when you turn them on, they block out like all the noise. And it's it is that thing. I just go,
2: <sighs> Heaven. Manta uses it when she's with her family. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but But it's because my son's 12 and so he likes to have a cuddle, right? And, you know, watch cartoons. So he's watching some, you know, Ninjango or whatever. And it's really sort of sensory abrasive to me. Yeah, Yeah, It's like, so I just sit there with my (laughs) headphones on and I just turn them on. And I just, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But I don't actually need to hear that. But that is that is a modern busy woman. Yes. Managing yeah. her state so she doesn't drink. So, you know, is. whatever. Is. Works. Yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> good for you. Regulating. Regulation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm very interested in that, that sort of, yeah, the nervous system regulation piece, which is so part of the steroid holding heavy lifting woman with the dysregulated nervous system who's self-medicating with alcohol. It's like an army of millions and millions and millions and millions of women, isn't there? Yeah. Yes, and, and, yes. And I was just wondering because you mentioned focusing. If you could explain that, because I've, I've, you know, we, we are very interested in somatics, but I've not heard that that term. I wondered if you could explain. Yeah, that. it's so fabulous. There was
1: a man named Eugene Genlin who worked at the University of Chicago and discovered, quote unquote, focusing many, many decades ago, and there's a little book called Focusing. So Focusing is basically, you know, the scene in Home Alone where Catherine O'Hara realizes she's forgotten her son at home. And she, you know, is first saying, did I forget the passports? Did I forget this? And then all of a sudden goes, Kevin, that's the aha you get with focusing. So focusing is going into the body on on the notion that We have bodily wisdom. So it's very much from the neck down, the sense of grounding yourself, quiet, shoulders down, eyes closed, dropping down into the body and clearing space for what it is you're feeling. So imagine you're by a beautiful lake and there's a dock with all these little boats And I ask you the question, Kate, what is coming between you and feeling just right? And you quietly take something that's bugging you, maybe a fight with a friend, and you put it in a boat. Mm. And then I ask you, is there anything else coming between you and feeling just right? And because you're human, there will be another thing. And you clear space, you clear it all out, you put all these problems in little boats and you see how your body feels. How does it feel without the temporal, without mm-hmm. the issues at hand? How does it feel cleared in there? And you, you might say, my heart hurts, mm. or I'm feeling a heaviness in my belly. And it's the bodily knowing, the wisdom that comes from, mm. from the body. The problem with focusing, unlike meditation, is very hard to describe yeah mm. <laughs> and because it's hard to describe it hasn't taken mm-hmm. off like meditation but I truly yeah. believe
2: in it yeah it's it sort of I love that idea of the boat actually putting it, and I I'm like oh and off they go you know <laughs> they're yeah. like drifting off what, and in my head I don't have to do anything about that because the tide is going to take them so I'm already going that's fine they're just getting, I'm, I'm in there, I'm with you, and I'm there. Would say. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the idea. Let it float away and then
1: yeah. and then be with yourself. And then mm-hmm. you ask yourself a question. How do I feel about this new book that I'm proposing? Mm. And then you might have a great feeling, <clears throat> and you might have a thud. Mm. And that's bodily knowing. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, because I, I know that part of my um, – m- my journey in sobriety and recovery I'll own the word is something I mean I've had a yoga practice that's gone along with it so I've been and and my yoga teacher is amazing um, you know a somatic practitioner and so you are the boss it doesn't matter if you're doing different things to anyone else in the class if you lie there for a whole hour they're all doing handstands it's like whatever you need and that is is just been fabulous and as I've got Uh, done more work you know maybe with sort of some Tara Brack reign of self-compassion I've been looking Mm -hmm. at I'm doing a course with Irene Lyon at the moment who's an amazing Mm -hmm. uh, somatic practitioner Um, and it can be really uncomfortable and I had this thing the other like I've got quite complex needs in my family and sometimes my chest hurts so bad Mm -hmm. I don't know anything else I'm just dealing with everything but I am, I'm in quite a lot of pain. Um, and it is amazing because if I lie down, I breathe, I do some exercises, often I'll do some strange movements and shake it out and it moves. Um, so I, I, I'm just sort of diving into it myself, really. But I think that if we can sort of trust it and shake it out and move it and maybe not think about the narrative half the time, it you, we can clear things.
1: Yes. I think that there is bodily knowing and bodily what in focusing we call first the felt sense. How does it feel in your body? So the felt sense would be your heart hurts and the felt shift is you're able to shift it. Mm-hmm. And every time I speak, you breathe. You're co-regulating with me over Zoom. Uh, yeah, but You're taking big breaths and your shoulders are coming down. And even the thinking of it is giving you Oh, your
0: yoga you're yeah. giving you a relaxation which is beautiful oh yeah 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 I, I and I do I think more and more because you know whether it's big T trauma or small T trauma or you know impactful life experiences you know and and I think that's a when we talk to women in our community you know there's so much around motherhood and the birth and their periods and the cycles and just all this stuff that it's like, if we can work both, you know, head down, but not forget body up, you know, and really sort of start really looking into that. And this, this question of, you know, what, what do women use alcohol for? It's the numbing. It's the, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like it's the stop. It's the hard stop of all the, all the busy, um, yeah, so I mean, incredibly, yeah, I'm really grateful for sharing, you know, that 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 with us, and I'm mm. excited to explore it more. Um, yeah, the
1: hard stop of all the busy is a beautiful line. <laughs>
2: mm. it is, <laughs> Write it, it.
0: down. Is
2: the foot- <laughs> quick, quick. <laughs> Use it. Use it. No. Um, I don't know why we like this. <laughs> I think we are going a bit loopy, aren't we? It's the, the Zoom madness. But yeah. um, I love the fact and I and I feel so grateful that like we, we kind of almost come full circle, but to have your wisdom mm-hmm. and to have your time you know on the podcast and the fact that you were doing this work you know to pave the way that's you know it's made it easier for us to be able to have these conversations you know yeah Mm
1: um thank you what a lovely thing to say
0: yeah Mm. super great it's a beautiful thing to say (laughs) thank you um so we always finish the podcast with a tip of the day and your Mm -hmm. reason to love being sober so yeah what would be your tip of the day for the women listening and some men I must say
1: (laughs) I have to say I have to say that that my joy in being sober is being um alert I was not alert when I was drinking um and so to have my awareness to have my my uh mornings back uh, most of all without jangly nerves without jangly uh thoughts And to own my life in a way that is generous and um, has what I call that accordion energy, Mm -hmm. my life can be big, it can stretch it out and, and sustain it in a way I couldn't when I was drinking.
0: Oh mm. I love that. And mm, then okay. we we can make it really small when we need to as well. Exactly. make um, it back in. Yeah. I think I'm in a, one of those moments where it's just like sharing sharing big 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 and then it's like oh woman cave mm. moment. <laughs> <laughs> make it small, make it small. Um thank you so so much for joining us and uh, you know that we'll put all the links to your work on the on the show notes and you know please I mean, I've said it like 10 times already, but please do read Drink and watch the TED Talk if you haven't because it, it really is the kind of one of the founding, pioneering pieces of work on, on the gender piece within women and alcohol. So um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's and, been a treat. Yeah, and hopefully Aww. we'll see you in real life one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hardly wait. I know, I know. And we
2: did it, look. Mm (laughs) yes we did it we did it